Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. Jay Williams, the owner of CrossFit Hale in Richmond, California, agreed to be on the cover of the September-October 2016 issue of Box Pro. He also happened to be the majority owner of CrossFit Thames in London, England. It's a long, winding story of how that came to be, and a lot has happened since. But I think the information he shared two years ago is still applicable today. So here's my cover story interview with Jay Williams. Listen to his story, grab a hold of a nugget, and make your box better today. In the questionnaire that you sent me, I know you gave me a bit of your background, how you came to find CrossFit. I was wondering if you could just kind of recap that for me and how you came to own um, these two boxes. Sure. Um, so just how I started with CrossFit or how did I... Yeah, let's, let's start with how you, how you found CrossFit and what led you to CrossFit, and then we can go into the more uh, business side of things. Right. So um, I guess, you know, back when I was about 13, 14 years old, I found the gym, uh, and I started going to the gym. You know, I got my first gym membership, and I used to go at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And I kind of, like I got just really into strength and conditioning in general. Um, as a way to get in shape. Obviously, I was in high school, and uh, it was a little bit of a way to get in shape, but also kind of training for basketball, which was really my favorite sport at the time. Um, So I used to get up early, ride my bike at 4 o'clock in the morning to the gym, and even back then, I thought, you know, when I grow up, one day I want to open a gym. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of fast forward, you know, played some basketball, football, that kind of thing. Um, I had an injury, uh, ACL surgery, and Mm -hmm. I... Basically, around the time that I got the injury and the surgery, I also got a job sitting behind a desk. So it was like my mid-20s, I guess. So I basically went from very active to doing nothing. And uh, I, got, I got that job. We were, um, you know, we, it was a corporate job, so we used to go out for drinks all the time. And, you know, basically the things you do with a corporate job. And for like six, seven years, I did almost nothing for fitness. Um, so one day I looked up and I was 315 pounds and I said, oh, you know, I, and I, you know, I was having all these back problems, knee problems, you know, just didn't feel healthy. And I said, yeah, I better do something about this. So uh, I started going back to the gym and it was just like, whatever I, you know, I tried a few boot camps, um, which, you know, ended up being mostly running, which was tough mm-hmm. for a 300 pound yeah. guy. Um and uh, and I eventually one of the boot camps um, stopped being a boot camp and turned into a CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. Um, but even back then, it was uh, you know I was I was so inconsistent with it that you know I had by the time it turned into a gym, I wasn't even a part of it anymore. Okay, so you've even so, stopped going to the boot camp when it turned into the CrossFit gym. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But um, the the one thing they did that was really good that I actually put into place now with my business is they would send me an email every month, mm-hmm. uh, just you know this is what's going on with the CrossFit gym and you know blah blah blah. So when I when I came back around and I said look, uh, you know I actually went to the emergency room for what I thought was some sort of heart issue, oh. and um, it turned out to be nothing. But you know when you're 315 pounds and you're yeah. like 30, you know 30 years old, you think like you just don't feel healthy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I really didn't have any issues, but I was just really ready to do something about it. Um, I went through my emails. I found the email for the CrossFit gym, mm-hmm. went to go check it out. And, 
you know, the, the, the first thing I saw when I walked in was someone doing handstand pushups. This was back in 2007. Okay. And I just thought, I just thought, yeah, there's, there's no way I'll be doing this. <laughs> um, oh man. But, but, you know, it was, it was intimidating, but you know, my wife was with me and we, we both said, you know, let's give it a try. Mm. So we went through the basic on-ramp, which was like three or four sessions. And then back then the, um, they weren't doing really scaling because it was so new. So, you know, it was like all the gyms would follow the main site and you would just do whatever was on the main site. So my my very first class, my workout was Helen and, uh, and I scaled everything. Um, and it took me 25 minutes or something with jumping pull-ups and light kettlebells and all that kind of stuff. And my second class was filthy 50. And, uh, I remember distinctly, it took me, I think that one took me like an hour and maybe like 50 minutes or so. And I remember distinctly halfway through the burpees, the coach was like, yeah, let's just do half the burpees. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, you're like halfway down already. Oh. And, uh, and so I, and so I basically, um, that was my very first like couple of days of the workouts. And I, and I remember going back to my journal one day after doing filthy 50 in like 20 minutes. And uh, and just thinking, man, this is a long, you know, you, you come a long way. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, oh my goodness. So so back then, you know, we, that was back in 2007, um, and so I did it for a while. I lost like 40 pounds um, in the first, maybe 45 pounds or so in the first um, four months. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was. You know, those first two workouts, while they were really tough, it just got me hooked because it was like, mm. you know, you're you're looking forward to whatever the workout's going to be. They give you the workout. They teach you the movements. You know, it seemed like this sort of underground kind of thing, and I actually enjoyed it, even though it was really a lot of suffering. Um, mm. I enjoyed it, and even after just a couple weeks, I could start to see progress. Um, my biggest my, – my, I remember my biggest day was – like one day we were doing deadlifts or something and because I was such a big guy, I was like really strong. And then the very next day we had to run a 5k and I was on the top like leaderboard for both days. Um, and I don't know what, where the running thing came from, but I was, you know, maybe the fast wow. people didn't show up that day, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, I was like, I was really pumped. This was only like two months in. I was really pumped to like, mm-hmm. wow, I could actually do all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, so I, I made some really good progress with that. And then at the end of 2007, this was first month of 2008, I moved to the UK and, um, and I basically stopped doing CrossFit because there were no CrossFit gyms in the UK or in in London anyway. Um, so I, I say I stopped, I actually would just do it at the regular gym. Um, I went to the, you know, the global gym or whatever that was local to me. And uh, tried to do it, but there were no pull-up bars at those gyms, uh, very little free weight selection. Mm-hmm. And any time I did anything, the management would kind of come over and say, hey, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't squat without shoes on. You, know, you can't use chalk. Like, you just they, – they had a problem with everything that I did. Oh, my um, gosh. So, so uh, feel free to stop me if I'm going on. No, you're, no, no, you're doing good. Um, so – so at that regular gym, you know, it was pretty clear that it wasn't going to work out. I ended up doing stuff just sort of on the side. Um, and I started looking around the city to find other people who were sort of into CrossFit. Um, 
And I found a few guys. One guy had actually affiliated but didn't have a facility and, um, you know, was doing like a weekend CrossFit sort of seminar thing. And uh, I went I went to it, checked it out. Um, I had a chat with him and a few of the other folks afterwards and uh, and said, you know, well, you know, these guys are just getting started. Um, you know, and I and I had just a little bit of experience with it, but also, you know, had been doing it sort of on my own. I'm just going to get a level one and, uh, you know, see if I can kind of start my own thing. So, um, so I got a level one. I actually flew back to the States as part of a business trip, did a level one. Dave Castro is actually teaching that level one. Um, and, uh, and I, and so I got that, I came back and one of the guys that was in that little group decided to start a CrossFit gym. So I said, okay, let me, you know, I'll go and, um, help coach with you at that gym. So, uh, so I ended up coaching with him. I did it for about three months, four months. And immediately I thought I, I can do a better job than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even if it's not my full-time thing, cause I had a full-time job at the time, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I could, I, I have some ideas that they're not putting in place. And, you know, if we could just find a facility, then we could do it. So I, you know, I was sitting with coffee one day with a couple folks and we said, let's start our own gym. So we, uh, that's how Thames got started. And Thames actually started, uh, at the end of 2009. Um, okay. and it was me and two other folks. And, um, we started in a really small, like 600 square foot, just basically a one room place. Yeah. Um, we, uh, it was, it was, a. Uh, historic brick warehouse building, right? Mm-hmm. Um, got a little bit of equipment and just put a simple website up and said, you know, CrossFit Thames is starting in December of 2009. And uh, I think we opened our doors. We had two people. <laughs> um, so one guy emailed us and he's like, yeah, I've been doing this at home. I want to come check it out. <laughs> so he came and uh, checked us out. We, uh, we um, so we kind of started really small. It was funny because mm-hmm. we had two or three people, and then like after a couple months, I think we had like six people, seven people, and all of us were really new. So our classes were kind of disjointed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know, so funny. You know, yeah. So one of the one of the co-owners at the time, he's actually still a co-owner, is named Yami Tikanen, and uh, and he's uh, he's he's still. I mean, he's a level one um, flow master now, and um, he coaches Annie Thor's daughter. He runs the training plan. But back then, all of us were just really, really new. <laughs> and we, you know, we like all of our classes ended up being 90 minutes. <laughs> all of oh our, my gosh. <laughs> you know, our programming was just like all, you know, it was just kind of all over the place. Yeah. But, but, um, but everyone loved it. And mm. so it started with our little groups with, you know, maybe three, four people in class and just sort of grew slowly but surely from there. Um, Interesting. So what, can I ask, what brought you to London in the first place? So I used to work for a financial services company. Um, okay. It was, called, it was called Barclays Global Investors. Now it's called BlackRock. They were bought out. Um, but they were based in San Francisco, and then uh, they ended up moving to – or I, there was an opportunity in London, so I ended up taking – Okay, so – okay, but it was work. Work brought you over there initially. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, interesting. And then um, how did you tear your ACL? 
Basketball. Basketball, okay. Yeah, it's just a basketball injury. Just uh, yeah. No, it's funny. I I tore I tore my ACL as well, so I completely understand. <laughs> like completely. So. You know, the biggest thing. I mean, it's just a side note, but like back then, this was a long time ago. Back then, they there were a couple different options for doing the surgery, but I ended up mm-hmm. having them take a tendon from my patella and put it into my ACL, which was which was fine, but it meant mm-hmm. the recovery was like way worse. Yeah, um, yeah. And I wish yeah. I hadn't have done that, to be honest. Yeah, but. no, and I remember, I, I think I remember getting the option. I, I had um, a cadaver, so they, like, gave me a new someone else's. <laughs> yeah, I remember them yeah. talk, talking about those different options. Wow, no, that, that's, that's crazy. So, and then um, I, I just, I thought it was so interesting that you said you got – those newsletters from Cross the Oakland for 18 months before you went in, and you said that you do news, you do monthly newsletters now as well. Um, well, actually, I send emails three to five times per week, so it's not really monthly. <laughs> I send uh, I send emails all the time now. That's no, that's good. It gets in front of people's faces because sometimes it's once a week. You're like, oh, I have so many emails to go through at the end of the week that am I going to pay attention to this one? Versus like if you get one at the Every day, you're like, okay, I can, I can go. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, you know, we we experimented with different things, but yeah, we absolutely reach out to people via email on a regular basis. So. Yeah. No. Okay, that makes sense. Interesting. So, um, I guess where? Okay, you were describing me like where you were um, with your box when it first opened in 2009, and then how has that transformed? to now and like what you are now doing with um, CrossFit Thames and CrossFit Hale, how has that changed or transformed? What, what has, um, I don't know, grown in, in terms of your business? Cause I'm sure, you know, your classes don't run 90 minutes long and programming isn't all across the wall now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'll c- kind of continue the story. Like basically yeah. that was that we had that little space. And we got to the point where we had like 50 or 60 members in the 600 square foot space. And we had classes all the time. And it was just like, it was clearly going to, you know, not going to be big enough. And, uh, and so we decided to move into a bigger space. And one day it was funny because the space was in the same complex. And so we thought one day, you know, let's just have everyone help us move. And we just made the Saturday workout, like grab all the equipment and carry it over to the other gym. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so it was like, it was fun because everyone got, felt like they got to be a part of it and stuff. So we moved, we moved over to the bigger space and it was, it was crazy. Like as soon as we moved to a bigger space, that space was about 16, 1700 square feet. We doubled in membership within 30 days. Wow. Um, and it was like just, you know, bigger space, you know, a little more equipment and people just uh, just like mm-hmm. slammed into the place. So we ended up knocking down the walls and expanding from there and then, you know, expanding into another building. Um, we have uh, so that so that gym went from about 60 to about 120, 150 or so um, by the end of 2010. And then or sorry. Uh, no, I guess to this point it was 2000. Yeah, because that was the end of 2010 we moved. So it was it was the end of 2011. Okay. Um, and it just sort of it just sort of grew from there. Every time we mm-hmm. we kind of took a leap with the business, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, for example, 
um, we had a little bit of an ownership change, and then one of the owners was a full-time coach. You know, we grew a little bit from there. When I decided to quit my job in 2012, uh, and we, you know, I became full-time, then we grew from there. You know, anytime we expanded, we sort of grew. And, and that, it was just sort of like every time we put something into the business, the business kind of responded with growth, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and so I actually quit my job in 2012, and um, it was it was a bit of a you know a big leap of faith really. Yeah. I had about six months six months of savings, um, and the business was going well, but it wasn't enough to support my family. Mm-hmm. Um, we we had had uh, we had our daughter in 2011, and you know I just said you know now that I have a kid, I need to really do what I want to do rather than mm-hmm. just doing you know the normal corporate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Uh, and so I quit the job. I had six months in savings, and I said, uh, you know, as long as I make enough salary from the gym by the end of six months to pay for my expenses, then this will be a good move. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it took five and a half months. <laughs> wow. Uh, it was close, but we made yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, dang. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure at the end you're kind of gritting your teeth going, oh, no. Well, you know, there were signs that it was going to work out, but it was mm. just kind of like, you know, you would have hoped that it would have taken like two months and you could still yeah. keep some of that savings. But, uh, yeah. um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was tough, but in the end, I mean, I was much happier. Mm-hmm. And even though I was living in such an expensive city, um, you know, and I didn't get to do the things that I used to do, I, it just, it, it just improved, improved the quality of all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my wife never went back to work. You know, we, uh, I had, I quit my job and we had a daughter and we were supporting ourselves with our own business, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and you said you, you, you quit your job because you had been inspired by having your daughter that you wanted to do what you wanted to do. Is that kind of what led you to quitting your job and like just taking on this business full time? Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, when I was 14, I said I wanted to open my own gym and, yeah. and I'm, I'm here at, you know, I guess I don't remember what age it was, I guess 36 or 37. And I, you know, I hadn't done that yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I realized like I had traveled all over Europe. I, you know, I did everything that I wanted to do, um, except running my own business mm-hmm. or I say I was running my own business, but, you know, really going all in on my business. Yeah, and I thought if yeah. I'm going to do it, I better do it now while she's still young before she's established and going to school and that kind of thing. So that's what we did. Okay. Interesting. Um, um it was, it's interesting, like, I've heard that story from a couple of affiliate owners. It's like, you would think that having a child would make you want to be more secure, mm-hmm. but I guess if you have that sort of entrepreneur or, you know, whatever it is, it just makes you want to take those risks sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. Yeah. I, is, do you think, too, it might be that you also, like, want her to grow up seeing that you're doing something you love instead of just being in a place that's safe? That's, yeah, that's absolutely right. Mm. Um, because the, you know, the job was, that I was in was really awesome. And then until it wasn't, yeah. and you know, it just, it just sort of became a thing that I did. And then the real thing that I wanted to do, I would do after work or before work or yeah. during lunchtime. And it was like, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to really go all in on this, I got to go all in. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, mm. you know, by that point, the gym was doing really well. Um, I quit the, quit my job and we really made it work and um, 
And, you know, we were working on, uh, because I had had my visa sponsored by my previous job, um, you know, the, we had to go through like this visa sponsorship thing. And we ended up going back to the U.S. Uh, for a while because we had to, you know, go through that whole process. And once we got there, it was kind of like, huh, this isn't so bad living in California. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We were here, and having lived in the U.K. for since, what, 2008, so a little over five years, it was like March in California, and the sun was shining, and we were sitting outside in the backyard getting sunburned, and we're just thinking, oh, this is awesome. Wait, you haven't seen the sun in like five years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we, we went to the games, we went to the regionals, all this stuff mm-hmm. that we had not done uh, before. And we just decided, you know, with our daughter and all of our family here and everything, we were like, you know, we're just going to stay. The gym, it had some rough, it had like a little bit of a rough patch when we left initially, but after about six months or so, it kind of stabilized and it was actually doing even better than when we left. Oh, wow. And, and we started to learn and I, you know, I was on the phone with them every day and and that kind of thing for a while, but we started to learn that like, if I was able to kind of let go of control of things so much, then it really wasn't like, it really wasn't too crazy that this thing could, could run without us Mm -hmm. being there, you know? Yeah. Um, so in August of 2013, we decided we're, you know, we, we, we were here and we said, well, we're not going to do nothing. Um, you know, I really enjoyed running the gym and it was just kind of getting going. It was just, it was, it was really starting to get to that point where I didn't have to worry about it daily. Uh, I just want to, I just want to run a gym. And so we decided in August, 2013 to open another gym and, uh, we actually opened our doors in um, in November of 2013 for CrossFit Hale. Oh wow! So you guys had like a really quick turnaround. Yeah, basically, it's like we went from having the idea, finding the space within about ten days, and then six weeks later, a little less than six weeks later, we were running our first class. Wow, but I guess, but I guess in a sense, you'd already done this all before, so it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. So we, so we, so we kind of like once we were there, we were like, okay, well, we already know how we're going to do, you know, the fundamentals, the classes, the pricing, you know, uh, like what kind of class, you know, when we're going to run the classes. Uh, we already knew what kind of equipment we wanted. We knew what kind of space, we, you know, like all of that stuff. It was, it was really there was not a whole lot of debate about what we were mm-hmm. going to do. Mm-hmm. It was just you had, like, you okay. had been through everything and tried everything and you knew what worked and what didn't. Exactly. Exactly. And so it was, it was funny because we started, you know, 2013, we were like, okay, great. You know, we're, we're good going for this. Um, you know, we got some money, we got some equipment, we started the thing, you know, website, everything. I mean, it was like, it was like amazing the way it, the way it all started up. But what was really funny about it is these projections that I had, about how it was all going to be like 200 members by the end of year one and all this stuff. And, uh, it didn't turn out that way. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, we, it was like, it, it was convenient to be able to kind of do it all based on what we knew, mm-hmm. but 
you know, it was a different market. It was a different yeah. group of people that we were dealing with. And we, you know, despite the fact that I kind of grew up around this area and, you know, I lived there for many years, I didn't know everybody, you know, mm-hmm. like, like I didn't, I had grown to know people in London. Exactly. And so, and so it was starting from scratch again. You know, we, wow. we, we opened our doors and we had, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of people, we had like, I don't know, seven or eight people, maybe 10 people in our first class. And, um, those 10 people, of those 10 people, I was related to three of them. <laughs> and, uh, and I think three or four of them were guests of those three. And then there was like two other people that had, that had seen us from the business next door. So, you know, we opened the doors. I, gosh, I, I feel like I'm going on and on. Please stop. No, me if you, if no okay. Jason, like seriously, you're doing, you're doing a fantastic job. So, so the, okay, so this is, this is the best, this is, one of, this is a great little story, side story. So we had two people that were part of that first class, the very first class, okay. husband and wife, and their daughter um, had gone to this gymnastics studio, which was next door to us for kids, and it's no longer there. But they, you know, basically we had 10 people in this first class, but I was really trying to get those two people to sign up because they were the only ones, right, that were mm-hmm. kind of, you know. Actually so, there. Yeah, actually there yeah. to, you know. To check it out. The yeah. other ones were just like showing up for the ceremonious first class. And so, <laughs> yes, exactly. So those two people, so we, we start warming up. We were doing some really simple stuff and like, like goblet squats with a, with a kettlebell. So we do the goblet squats with the kettlebell, you know, we have them put down the kettlebell and one of them just faints. And not only does he faint, like he puts the kettlebell down and just collapses. And he, <gasps> not only does he collapse, but his head goes through the wall, <laughs> right? <laughs> he falls down, his head goes through the wall, and his wife is like, oh, my God. And, you know, like, it was just, it was crazy. And so and this guy was in really good shape. He was, like, probably yeah. in the best shape of anyone there, and he just wow. completely passed out. Head goes through the wall. Like, uh, you know, we, we kind of pull him off and, you know, call the fire department. You know, he kind of comes back, comes to in like, you know, 60 seconds. I mean, it was, you know, he came, came to, he's like, I don't know what happened and, you know, whatever. Oh. And like, it was just, it was, this is our very first class. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so he, and so he comes to and the fire department comes and checks him out, takes his blood pressure, finds there's nothing wrong. And he's just like, yeah, you know, I guess I just didn't eat enough today or whatever. And we go and sit him on the couch and, you know, they're just kind of hanging out. Everyone's just shocked. This is, you know, fortunately the fire department was there. It was in three, four minutes. Every, you know, everything's fine. They, they sit him down and he's, you know, he sits down. He seems like he's okay. And his wife turns to me and he says, and she says, Okay, he's fine. Let's continue with the class. <laughs> <gasps> oh my goodness. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and the best part about it is, so we finished the class because it was like really like a 15 minute distraction and he seemed okay. And so wow. we finished the class and his wife signed up for a membership and <laughs> he signed up for, he signed up for a membership three days later and they have been members ever since. They're our most loyal members. Are you serious? Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Um, the best part is, because, I mean, they're super loyal. Even their daughter does the kids program now. And oh. the best part is, we, you know, we patched a hole in the wall. It was like a plaster 
you know, plaster wall, and, but you can still see where it's patched. And so oh, every time we have a little party, he always tells the story about how he passed out <laughs> on the very first class. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I just, that's just amazing. That I, I just think it's so cool that they're members now. Uh, and they're the best. They're just such oh. sweet people. Um, anyway, so, so, so yeah, that, that, was, that was a little funny story, but that's kind of a very auspicious start. And I just thought, oh, my God, this, this could close the doors. I mean, like, it was just, uh, it was really scary, but. Yeah. But. Yeah, because you just don't know, because, you know, what if they react poorly and then they tell their friends, you know, so you just have no yeah, idea. Exactly. Wow. But, uh, you know, I mean, that, that lady, when she first came in, she would get into the bottom of an air squat and she couldn't stand up. She was that weak. Wow. And, uh, and now she's back squatting, you know, 120, 150 pounds. I mean, they're just, they've completely changed their lives. Um, wow. you know, and it, it's, it, it, and so like, it, it's funny because that was the start. It was re- a relief that they came and joined, but it ended up being, you know, just a few people at the beginning and then it mm-hmm. kind of grew from there and, and it just became, it was like a, almost a mirror of what happened at Thames. Um, really? It was like, it was slow, slow, slow. And then every time we, we made a, a positive change for the gym, then the gym just exploded. And so and in this case, we've never moved locations because we had a good location to start with. But, mm. you know, we, like my wife, uh, who is the co-owner of Hale with me, um, she finally got certified uh, in April of the next year and began, began coaching classes. And uh, as soon as she came on, our membership grew by 50%. And then by the end of that, by the end of 2000, I guess it was 2014, um, we we trained and hired our first coach, who was actually um, one of our first members as well. And when she came on at the beginning of 2000, or at the end of 2014, as a part-time coach, again we added another 20 to 50 percent of members. And you know she became a full-time coach uh, early the next year. And again, we grew and then another full-time coach. And again, we grew and just like every time we sort of, it feels like every time we've invested in the business in some way, the business has kind of invested in us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Same with him. Yeah. Do you think it's because you have more people being able to operate and function and everything just flows better and you have more class times or what do you think it is about, you know, bringing me, because it sounds like every time you've like added staff or, you know, done something and change of staff, it has grown. I think, I think it's, I think it's a couple of things, you know, in my, generally in life, I always try to move forward in some way. Um, and so like if, if we bring on a new member of staff, then that frees up time for me mm-hmm. or my wife to focus on something that is not the day-to-day operations. Um, you know, every time we grew as a gym, we tried to offer something new, you know, maybe a new class or a new stuff, you know, something new that, that attracted people. And so it was always, we we're always trying to figure out a way to move forward and not just sort of layer on what we already had. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. You're trying to seek out those different avenues in which you can grow instead of just staying in the same place because that's kind of where you're stuck. Exactly. It's not like we bring on a new coach and, and, oh, such a relief. Now I don't have to coach classes anymore. Yeah. And now I can relax. 
You know what yeah. I mean? It yeah. was like I would re- I would replace those hours that I was coaching classes with spending time developing the program in some way. Yeah. And uh, and and so we we were were constantly sort of growing and evolving. So, you know, we brought on our our full time coach, our first full time coach, and we were able to open more classes. Or mm-hmm. you know, we, well, we brought on Tina my wife and we were able to open more classes. We tried more daytime classes. We brought on that full, that second full-time coach and it was, you know, can we offer, uh, additional daytime classes and maybe, um, you know, additional like personal coaching, you know, we, we sort of, we sort of would try and grow and improve with every incremental change. Mm. Well, I think that's so important to remember that, like, when you do bring someone on or, you know, uh, roles or something get taken off of you from on the side else, it's not so you can relax, but instead fill them with maybe new things that you should be spending your time in. So that's so cool that you're, like, spending your time looking and growing and developing. I, I think that's essential to the business. Yeah, and, and, I think, and I think part of it as well is, you know, you spend the time to try and find really good people that really believe in your philosophy mm-hmm. and – when you do that, it, it's, it's sort of a multiplier. Um, it's, not, it's not just like, you know, it's not just bringing on bodies. It's like bringing on someone that allows everyone to be better. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Interesting. So um, back to, like, opening up CrossFit Hills. And you said you saw a lot of the same kind of flow and progression that you saw at um, CrossFit 10. Uh, was there any was was there any like big differences between opening up the two, or was it mostly really similar in the process? So um, the biggest difference is I started with uh, the beginnings of the model that I knew I was going to end up taking on full, okay. you know, in the in the long term. Yeah. So so one of the things that we that we didn't really do much at Thames was was personal coaching. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, there are people out there, you know, like one-on-one, um, there, there are people out there that really prefer doing one-on-one coaching, and mm-hmm. they get better results when they do one-on-one. So even from the beginning, I started offering one-on-one. And, in fact, one of our very first members took us up on that and is still doing one-on-one. Oh, wow. And, okay. and so, like, at the at the very beginning, it was like, okay, we're going to off, make this as an offering because we know that it works better for certain people. Mm, okay. Um, so, you know, that was one of the things. The other thing was, in terms of our pricing, like, we just said, this is our price, and that's the price. And and we didn't we didn't sort of go back and question that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and this is this is something that at the beginning of Thames, our prices were super cheap. And we still wondered if they were too expensive. And the people coming in would pick up on that, and they would ask us for discounts constantly, even though our prices were really, really cheap compared to what they are now and compared to every other CrossFit gym in London now. Um, and so people sort of picked up on that energy. And so at the beginning of Halo, we just said, you know, we're going to price it uh, lower than some of the other gyms initially because we're new. Um, but – you know, we're going to make that the price for the first 20 people. And then the next, you know, X number of people are going to get this price and the X number of people are going to get this price. So we had that sort of in mind at the beginning. And just knowing that we had that sort of in our back pocket and we didn't have to worry about it, it allowed us to like, you know, just tick that off as, okay, that's sorted. 
You know what I mean? So now when somebody mm-hmm. comes in, they ask us a question about pricing, we say, this is the price. And if they bristle about how expensive it is, rather than us going, oh, here's all these discounts, we say, yeah, I understand it's expensive, but, you know, you're getting XYZ value for it. Yeah. You know, it's a different kind of conversation. Yeah. Well, and people, like you said, like they were picking up that you guys weren't sure about the pricing, so they're asking for discounts. But, I mean, it's if people understand that you believe in something, typically that's like a trickle-down effect, and they'll start to believe in it too. And if they don't, then it's not for them. So, Exactly, and, that, and, that's, and that's, that's a great point you brought up. Part of what we realized at the beginning, because we had the experience with Thames, is that it is not right for everybody, and mm-hmm. we don't want everybody. And that's a, that was a big lesson, and it took us a long time to learn at Thames. It's like you don't want everybody at the gym yeah, because – you know, it's not, if you, it's funny, like selling a membership to your gym is not like selling, uh, you know, a, a vacuum cleaner or something, right? Like yeah. when you, when you sell a vacuum cleaner, the person takes the vacuum cleaner and they take it home and you probably never hear about it again. You know, <laughs> yeah. when you, when you sell a gym membership, you're going to see that person every day, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And so, exactly. And so if you, sell it to the wrong person, then you're giving yourself headaches. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, and I know um, the, the gym that I go to, the silly owner, has talked about, you know, like if, if they come in based on a discount, they're probably going to always want some sort of discount. They're never going to understand the value at which they're getting the product. So it's just, it's very interesting just, you know, mindset people and how if they come in with one mindset, they'll probably stay with that mindset and, you really want to have yes. to continually tell them, like, no, this is a great product. Like, you're getting an awesome value. So, that is, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, it's how you set it up at the beginning is is the value that people are going to derive from it. Um, yeah. And ultimately, like back when I started doing it, I thought it was expensive, but I also mm-hmm. thought, you know, on the other hand, I was like, well. Uh, it was expensive, but I was 315 pounds. So <laughs> if I want to if I want to solve this problem, and these guys can solve it then it's worth the money. Yeah. You know? Yep, exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, by the way, I, I've ended up losing over 100 pounds uh, over the course of, like, mm. I would say it took me about two years, two and a half years. You, okay. Yeah, I, I yeah. know you, you had said that in your questionnaire that, well, I have to say, I, I laughed. You were very, I mean, you're funny about it, where you're like, I got fat, I got really fat. And I was like, well, yeah. I can laugh about it. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I saw that you said you lost. You lost about 100 pounds. It's amazing. That's that's just, oh, man, that's incredible. And I think ultimately, like, my my philosophy, you know, what kind of led me to that and it has really infused itself into the gym. It's like I went from being not being able to do a lot at the beginning to, you know, now I'm doing all the workouts as prescribed and, you know, I've run a marathon and done CrossFit competitions and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. things that I, at the time, especially at the beginning, when I saw that person doing a handstand push-ups, I thought, I'll never be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and it just, for me, it kind of taught me what I was capable of if mm-hmm. I was willing to put in the effort. And and that's the philosophy that I bring to both gyms is just, you know, learn what you're capable of. Like, you can live a better life, um, you know, by if you if you really are willing to put in the effort, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So, 
Um, speaking of like, you know, what you've brought to both affiliates, you know, how would you describe, you know, CrossFit Hale and even CrossFit Temp, you know, what, what makes them unique and stand out from all the other boxes out there? Where do you think, you know, it is really unique to them? Um, I mean, <sighs> I think, I think this is probably going to sound a little bit like, I don't know. I've read a lot of business books and stuff and I, and it kind of, it, it always sounds a little bit corporate or kind of BS, mm-hmm. but I think it just comes down to the gyms have a philosophy behind them mm-hmm. that is really independent of CrossFit or any, any other fitness program. You know, it's like, it's a personal philosophy that, that I and the people that work, work for and own the gyms all share, mm-hmm. you know, and I think each gym Every CrossFit gym and every gym has a philosophy behind it, but I think ours kind of resonates with the people that we serve really well. Mm. Um, and so our philosophy, we, we sort of start with kind of why we do what we do is, uh, you know, we think we can help you live a better life through fitness. And um, we do this, number one, by focusing on results. Mm-hmm. So when people come into our gyms, we ask them, what are they hoping to get out of this? You know, are they hoping to lose 15 pounds? Are they hoping to become a better, you know, rower or a basketball player or a tennis player? Are they, you know, hoping to get stronger? Are they just hoping to improve their injuries? Whatever it is, we focus first on results because if you're not getting results, then what's the point, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing we focus on is education or coaching, Mm -hmm. Um, and that that is just that you're going to learn something new every time you come into the gym. So... It might just be, you know, how to keep your weight on your heels when you squat or how to, you know, it might be a progression to a muscle-up or it might be, you know, some sort of nutrition fact that you didn't know before Um, or learning that you're capable of something that you didn't think you could do before. But the point is, like, we want you to learn something every time you come in. And that goes for the member that has been around for six years and the Mm -hmm. member that is just starting on their first day and it's a guest day. Um. And then the last is kind of a CrossFit buzzword, uh, which is community. Um, You know, every gym has a community of some sort. Um, The community that we like to build is it's like a gym full of training partners. You know, like you you know everyone's name. You know, they know your name. And when you're not there, they miss you. Mm. You know? Um, And so, you know, that's those are the three kind of, philosophies behind it or sorry the philosophy is that you know living better and then the sort of how we do it is those three points results coaching and community um and then you know sort of the what of what we do is you know it's it's crossfit i mean constantly varied functional movement high intensity you know we teach it in 60 minute classes where we warm you up we show you the movements and then we take you through the workout of the day um you know we scale it to the level that works for you so, you know, it's only sort of at that point that we get to the nitty-gritty of the CrossFit. Yeah. So how did you go about developing these these three focuses and your philosophy? I know you said it started out as like a personal uh, sort of philosophy. How did you go about developing them into something that really you were able to build your business around? Um, so so I'll, there's a helpful book on this called It Starts With Why?, uh, by Simon Sinek, I believe. Okay. And and I've always 
uh, I've always asked why a lot. I've always asked the question why. Like, why are we doing this? Why, you know, why do people care? Why do I care? And I ask, my, I ask myself that. I ask my coaches that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately, the reason I do this, the reason I train personally is not so that I can go and win the CrossFit Games. It's not so that I can, you know, look good on the beach. Although that might be an initial motivation, ultimately it's just so that I can live a better life. Like if mm-hmm. I'm healthier, if I if I have more energy, if I feel stronger, then I'm a better person. Like it's mm-hmm. just there's no two ways about it. Like the days yeah. that I work out, then I'm a I'm great. If I don't work out for three days, I'm awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't want to be around me. Um, yeah. So I'm never more than three days away from a workout, and I do, <laughs> and I just uh, and I just feel like you know my that's my personal philosophy is like I think you can live a better life if you treat your body well, and so you know that's kind of where it started. It's like once you have the why, then it's like okay, well, how do you deliver that to people? And and that's how I that's how we come up with the results coaching a community. Um, and then the what is CrossFit, which I still think is the best fitness program out there. Um, and if and the, the minute it stops being the best fitness program, then we'll consider doing something else. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, it always starts with the why and the how. And then the what is just you know what you do in order to get there. And that's and that really is not nearly as important. Um, you know, if 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 what we do is just you know, some like if if Zumba or uh, you know, I, yeah, let's just say Zumba. Like Zumba's fun. You know, you get to dance and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If that delivers, if that delivers like amazing results for people, then that's what we'll and and that and that is like the thing that everybody wants, and it's going to fit into the why and how. Like, yeah, oh, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's you know we still think CrossFit is the best way to do it, and I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to change anytime soon. But that's that's sort of how how it all came to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does. So, how do you instill that belief in your coaches and your staff, and get them on that same track as you? You know, the same belief in those three focuses and the why and and the what you're doing. I think it starts with how you recruit people and almost all of our coaches first started off as members. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, ultimately our, you know, that philosophy kind of permeates throughout everything we do, mm-hmm. you know? So like from, from the way we teach our classes to um, how clean we keep our gym to, you know, the, the blog, to the surveys, you know, everything we do, has some sort of element of that philosophy. So if you are the kind of person that likes that kind of thing and you are paying for it on a regular basis, then it's just natural that if you have an interest in it, that you would want to be more involved. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so, and so that's why like, you know, our, our, I think almost all of the coaches that we've, not all of them, but most of the coaches that we've had, we've trained them to be coaches, uh, by first having them be members and then having them go through an internship program and then they become coaches. Yeah. Um, They're almost like growing up with this philosophy and CrossFit all kind of coming together in this one pool of education. Exactly. So like the, one of the, uh, 
longest full-time coaches that we have at Hale. Her name is Heidi. And she was maybe our second or third member, maybe fourth member here at Hale. And she used to be the only one that would come for 6 a.m. classes. And uh, and so, you know, consequently at the beginning, you know, it was a lot of just one-on-one because I was coaching every class. It was a lot of one-on-one, you know, with, with, with us, like in the first three to, I guess, probably five months or so. Wow. And so once she got over, you know, her initial issues, like, you know, physical issues and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she would say like, she would say, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that. And I would show her a way to do it and she would be able to do it. She started to believe like, actually, maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. Like, I don't have back <laughs> pain anymore. I don't have knee pain. You know, like I'm losing weight. I'm getting stronger like this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something to what he's saying. And, you know, you then then they start asking why more and that kind of thing. And so it's just sort of natural. It's like you have this, you know, 18-month sort of training period before you even get the opportunity to maybe be an intern. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. No, that's crazy. So um, does all of this kind of come back? You had mentioned in the questionnaire that uh, when I asked you what is one lesson you've learned that other students would find beneficial is find out what you do better than anyone else. Um, what is that exactly for you? Like, wh- what do you think you guys do better than anyone else? Is it like root- rooted in your philosophy or wh- what did you mean by that for you personally? I think that like, so what I meant by that was, you know, there's, there are affiliate owners that are like, for example, really good with nutrition, you know, mm-hmm. like they're, you know, they, they, maybe they were former bodybuilding competitors or whatever, and they know how to get really lean and get everyone ripped and cut. You know, if they can do that better than any other CrossFit gym, then that should be their focus. They shouldn't worry about running a kid's program or running a, you know, a boot camp program. They should focus on nutrition and like delivering that as, as one of their main services, you know? Um, yeah. You know, if, if uh, like for me, I mean, I, I lost a hundred pounds, right? And so, like, and I and I was never that interested in com- competition. And so, for me, I feel like I can relate to the to the struggle of the everyday person who just wants to get in shape, you know, who who just doesn't want to feel like shit anymore, you know. Yeah. Um, and and so, like, I just so for me, I just really always tried to target and relate to that person. It's like, yeah, you got a corporate job. You probably sit behind a screen, you know, eight hours a day. Uh, you know, you like you're you're not feeling like you did back when you used to play sports, and you want something that's going to keep you interested, going to keep you active, and also is going to give you some results. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, you, this is the place for you. You yeah. know, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you to like stop drinking beer and eat chicken breast and broccoli every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm also going to make, you know, like I'm, you're going to be able to live your life and get results. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And okay. so, yeah. Yeah. No, no, that, that's great. Thank you for just clearing that up for me. Interesting. And then um, back to, okay, so you say you are still a majority owner in CrossFit 10. Do you, do you guys, like, do you still help them out with programming or anything like that? I mean, how much of a connection is there between you and them and CrossFit Hale and them? So Phil is the guy who runs the show in okay. in London, and uh, and Phil started off as one of our first members, 
there, and he ended up, um, you know, buying and becoming an owner, and he basically is running the day-to-day operations there. And he's really grown into that role. So he does almost everything okay. there now. Um, at this point, him and I have regular conversations where, his weekly conversations where we go through philosophy and planning and sort of mm. growing and trying new things. Oh, okay. Um, and so, like, my role there is, at this point, is not involved in the day-to-day stuff unless there are, you know, decisions that need my input. But mm. there's, there's not many of those nowadays. Okay. Um, so, you know, my, and that's, and that's sort of like my role in the, in, it, it's, it's growing to be my role at Hale as well. I mean, I still do a lot of the day-to-day stuff here, but the, the faster I can move to that sort of oversight role, the more successful this, this gym is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, that's a funny thing to say because, <laughs> you know, ever you like to think that it's you that caused this, but mm-hmm. Like, if you can get out of your own way, you'll find that, like, it's actually, it actually can run better without you if you've done your job. Mm. Yeah. No, and sometimes I think, I think sometimes it's really hard to admit that, but it's also something to be extremely proud of because you've built such a a wonderful running machine that, like, yeah, it's going to go on without me and it's going to be okay, but, you know, I helped get it there, but it's also like, I wish it needed me more. (laughs) So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and, and as, you know, when you have kids and stuff, there's, there's other people that need you. So. Yeah, exactly. Can... And they're, they're, yeah, their children are very important. So yeah. Interesting. So would you say you're maybe more of, yeah, oversight and mentoring for CrossFit attempts uh, and you're kind of, you're kind of starting to get there with CrossFit Hale? Yeah. And also, I mean, it's really like more of an idea sharing, like, some of, you know, we started CrossFit Thames was 2009, and things were different back yeah. there back then when it came to to CrossFit gyms. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and so the things that worked back then, they don't always work now. Yeah. You know, and so you have to sort of grow and evolve. So we share a lot of ideas. Um, you know, things like how we ran the Open this year was was different for both gyms, or you know, it kind of evolved, and you know how we run events and stuff like we. They like last year. Um, they they had like a Christmas play, or it was two years ago. They had a Christmas play, and it was just like the best thing they did all year. It was so much fun, and so we decided awesome. to do that. It was great. It was really <laughs> ridiculous, um, and so and so this year we did the same thing at Hale, and it was it was hilarious. I mean, it was just so mm-hmm. much fun, and it's just like you know little things like that that we kind of share among the mm-hmm. gyms and their ideas that are generated over there ideas we generate over here um one of the one of the advantages that i have here uh is that you know i'm here day to day so i can actually try stuff mm-hmm. real time um without having to wait 24 hours to hear how it went and so i just will try stuff here and if it works and it sticks over time then we'll just put it in place over at Thames. Mm. You know, and 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 yeah. they do the same. So, so yeah, um, I think it's I think it's it's more like we're uh, sharing ideas, and then we come together on the important stuff. It's like, okay, we need to, you know, we're considering hiring this person or firing this or you know, expanding the location or whatever. That we'll come together and discuss that stuff. And I think it's kind of nice too. It's you know, you're not alone, and there's someone kind of going through the exact same thing you are, and you have someone to talk to and, and bounce ideas off of. Yeah, exactly. And and it's also, 
you know, that business is a little further along. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, once we, once we have something that's proven that works, then we put it into that business and see how well it can really go, you know, Um, or, you know, because that business is further along, there's some things that we can try there that we really can't try here uh, in terms of, you know, like processes and things like that. So Yeah. No. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, Jason, I had to ask you about um, your quest for trying to find the perfect burger. Uh, you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got I got a good laugh out of that one as well. Really, when I was reading your entire questionnaire, I was like, man, that's guy's funny. So <laughs> appreciated that. <laughs> but th- that was interesting. I was just kind of curious about that one. When did you start that quest? So, so back when I was working at the corporate job, it was it was a bank, so we got paid well, and I got into this uh, habit of like. You know, my wife and I would go and try these really nice restaurants. Mm. And um, so we tried a bunch. I mean, we live in in Northern California, so not far from San Francisco and Napa and stuff like that. So there's tons of nice restaurants around here. And uh, and so, you know, I try all these restaurants, and some of the stuff that you get at them is just like, I mean, it's It's nice. Yeah, but it's weird. It's like I'm really not going to get into caviar that much or whatever. (laughs) It's like, uh, and so, and so one of the things I noticed is that almost every restaurant, if it's kind of an American style, they will have a burger on the menu. And so I just started, I just started trying burgers and like every place has a different take on the burger. And so we moved to, this was way, way back before I started CrossFit. Obviously I was 315 pounds. I used to like to eat. Um, and so, and so when we moved to the UK, Again, burgers were still really like that was one thing that they didn't do terribly in terms of food in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kept trying different burgers in all these different places. And so I ended up just finding this sort of wide variety of, you know, sort of medium, low and high cost burgers in these different areas. And it's funny, just that basic thing, the basic like meat, and, you know, between a bun, it, it tells you a lot about a restaurant, you know, <laughs> like how much how much care they put into that thing. And so, uh, and so, yeah, I found um, I found a couple of pubs like in uh, in the UK that just serve these amazing burgers with you know a pint of Guinness, and then mm. you know I find like you come to the California, you get In and Out Burger, which is great. You know, but then you also have these really high-end burgers that you could put, like, you know, bone marrow and foie gras on with, you know, these, like, really crispy buns and, you know, cold mm-hmm. lettuce and, you know, just like, like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what is that beef that they, um, that they massage? I forget what it's called. Now. Oh, oh, I don't know, but I know. Kobe, what Kobe about. beef. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, I just, I just, anywhere I go, I just, if there's a burger on the menu and and nothing else is just, you know, I'm just dying to have it, then I'll just try the burger. So, uh, so yeah, I found found a few. Well, I think it's a great goal to have. So, well done. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had to ask about that. It's a fun one to have anyway. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's something that you know you can enjoy working towards, which is not always great about goals. Yeah. Exactly. The last one that I had, it was so good. It was this place in Napa, and it was so good, 
that uh, my friend and I were there and we split it, right? Because um, mm-hmm. we were, had, you know, split something else. It was so good that each time one of us took a bite, we had to talk about it for about two minutes <laughs> before we did anything else. <laughs> wow, that says something about that burger. Yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. Dang. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's great. No, that's cool. Well, awesome. Um, okay, let me let me just look over. I think, Jason, I've asked you all the questions that I really wanted to ask you. I know we've been talking for quite a while. Um, but was there anything else as we were talking about that maybe you thought about wanting to share or uh, anything else you wanted to uh, address when it comes to being an affiliate? I know it's a very broad question, but I just want to know if there was anything else bobbling around in your head. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few things because um, I've been doing a little bit of, uh, I've been doing some mentoring lately, and a few things have come up that I sort of take for granted now, but I'm, I'm finding myself sharing with people more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I quit a, a well-paying full-time job to do this full-time. Yeah. And one of the things that I told myself pretty early on is, you know, I don't want to create a job for myself. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Um, you know, if you end up doing all the stuff that you hate or if you end up, uh, you know, just working 16 hours a day or, you know, whatever. But the the main thing that made it that when it feels like a job, the main reason it feels like a job is if you're working with the wrong people. Mm. And, and, and so one thing that I really kind of wanted to get across is like, I realized early on that I need to focus on working with the people that I really love. You know, the people that I, that I am excited to wake up in the morning and go help coach or go work with. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of affiliate owners are so focused on getting as many members as they can or, you know, doing the next promotion that's going to get them people or whatever, and they don't ask themselves, am I actually working with the right people? Yeah. Um, and the more I focus on working with the right people, the better, the more, the happier I am and the better my business does. Mm. Um, you know, I know that you've had people on that talk about like having to fire clients or, you know, whatever. And like part of that is if you have even just a couple of people that are just not the right people and they, and they give you headaches, they kind of, they kind of take over. Mm-hmm. you know, compared to the other, you know, 95% of the people that are great. Yeah. And so, you know, that's one of the mm-hmm. things that, you know, we, we're really protective of our membership and protective of, you know, making sure that we are working with the people who really want to be there and want to get the results and really, you know, have at least to some extent bought into what we're, what we're, what our philosophy is mm-hmm. and really work hard to repel the others. You know, <laughs> yeah. You don't ever, you don't ever hear about it talked that way. So it's very interesting. Yeah, because like if you think about it, like you know, you you go, you think back to when you were in school, or uh, mm-hmm. maybe not even in school, but like you go to like conferences or like you know, if you work for a corporate a corporation, you go to a meeting. There's all, there's that one person that's like the know-it-all or the one that when they raise their hand, everyone kind of sighs and goes, oh, God, that person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, you know that person, right? Mm-hmm. And so you imagine, like, 
those people, if they get into your classes, they can poison the whole class. They can really make the whole experience not worth going to, you know? And you get more than a couple of those people, and it just, I mean, it can poison the whole business. And so I, I think it's really important to focus on the fact that, you know, you're doing this really because you want to do it. And because you get to choose, you know, you're choosing to do it, so you should choose the people that you work with. And so if you're super competitive and you want only competitors around you, then your gym should be focused on competitors. If you are, a, you know, a, a, a mother of two and you want to, you only want to work with other mothers of two, you know, or work with other mothers, then you should work with mothers. Mm-hmm. You know, that, like to be a, an insanely successful CrossFit gym only needs like 150 people if you do it right. Yeah. And so every almost every town has enough to support all sorts of different kind of groups of people. And so I think that's really important to to focus on because once you have that then it's fairly easy like if you're focusing on mothers then you you cater all your programs to mothers. Your mm-hmm. pricing should be for mothers. You know, your your the way you do your programming, how you do your blog, the pictures that you put on your website, it should all be about mothers. You know, um, and same with competitors, same with, you know, teams or, you know, whatever that is. And I think it's really important just to focus on working with those people that you want to work with. Now, some people might say that that's like limiting them, but do you think it's just, you know, you've seen the success in it because you're able to pour so much into that, you know, maybe specific audience or demographic that uh, you, you really see a great response from them? I think... I think one of the big struggles with most people when they start their business is they think that the best way to grow the business is to try and serve everybody. But the truth is that no business that I know of started by trying to serve everybody. You know, you, you, you have to start by trying to serve a specific population. Um, And I think you're going to be more successful at that because you're going to be able to relate to that population because that's the only population you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I, yes, it will limit you, but those limits are, are good. You know, (laughs) like it's, it's sort of like, it's sort of like if you go into the gym, you only have one workout of the day and that's what Mm -hmm. you do that day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not a choice between every possible movement that you could do. It's just that workout of the day. Mm-hmm. And you can decide whether you want to go as hard as you can, whether you want to scale it up, scale it down. You know, you have some freedom to choose within that framework of the workout of the day, but it's still just that workout of the day. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, when you limit your scope of people you work with, it's like, you know, you might, you know, if you're focusing on mothers, it's like you might focus on mothers, you know, you have this initial focus on mothers, but maybe you start by focusing on mothers who had a sports background or mothers who, you know, have young kids or mothers who have older kids. Like, there's a lot of freedom once you get in there. Yeah. But, you know, it's still that same basic framework. Yeah. And it just, I, I, I mean, I, I just feel like, I mean, even Facebook, it just started on a, on a single college campus, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, now it's, now everybody uses it, but it's like you had, they had to start at that very small sort of thing. And same thing with, with CrossFit. It started in a, you know, single, you know, gym and just focus on uh, those 
people that were in that area, and, and it sort of expanded it from there. Yeah, it's like they got really good at what they did, and then they slowly widened their reach as they could do it well, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And and I think I think there's a, you know, you, going back to your question about when I started Hale, uh, I think there's a lot of freedom when you limit your choices. You know, mm-hmm. like I, when I started Hale, I, I knew all the stuff that I wanted to do based on what we've done with Thames. And so then I didn't have to worry about all of those things like buying equipment, doing the programming, doing, you know, when to run the classes, how much to charge. I didn't worry about all of that stuff. I was able to just go forward with what I knew about that stuff. And then I could worry about the things that, that were sort of unknown for me. Like, you know, I went from a place in, in London where everyone was young and single to a place here in California where everyone is a little bit older and has families. They're still mm-hmm. sort of young families, but like, you know, it's a different population. And so mm-hmm. how can I appeal to those people? And that, that was a different, different problem to solve. But if I had to worry about what, you know, type of pull-up to bar to buy, I might not have ever gotten around to that more important problem, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So when you say, like, focusing, because I can maybe see some affiliates being like, what, when you say, like, focusing on these people and, like, not wanting, you know, uh, those people to, you know, poison your whole class, like, have you had to, like, turn away numbers or, like, kick people out of your gym or have you just been able to have such a good focus on, like, what community you're after that that hasn't even been a problem? So I haven't had to do it lately, but I have had to do it in the past. You have. And, yeah, and it's, I mean, kick people out is a strong, is a strong way to do it. I've had yeah, to sit down. Yeah. I've had to sit down with people and say, look, this is clearly not working for you. Like, you don't seem happy in the classes, you know, you, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like, I've had to have tough conversations with members that eventually left, but I didn't have to actually kick people out. Mm-hmm. Um, especially not recently. Um, but what I, what I do, and it, it took a while to get to that point where I was willing to have that tough conversation, but I don't ever really cater to those people. Mm. You know, we, 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 you know, we have like one of the things that we like to do, and this is based on an idea I stole from a book called the pumpkin plan. Um, and uh, one of the things we like to do is is to sort of pick, not randomly, but we, we sort of pick our sort of top 10 or 20 favorite members. Mm-hmm. And this is a, based on a combination of, like, how long they've been at the gym, you know, do they sign up for everything, and, like, do we cringe when they walk in the door, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, and and the people that get sort of the higher ratings, and th- this changes all the time. Like, we'll do it every three to six months, and every time we do it, it the, the list changes. But we sort of focus on them, and then we take them out for coffee. We ask them a bunch of questions, and we try and cater our services based on what they want. And they don't they don't know that they're our favorite members. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> no. you know, like I said, like I said, like our favorites change all the time. It's more like a type. You know what I mean? Yeah. But no, exactly. Actually, it's not yeah. done specifically. It's the type that they're representing overall. Exactly. And yeah. so we'll take them out for coffee. We'll ask them a bunch of questions. We'll we'll uh, record the interviews just like you're doing with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we will look for some common themes and we'll make changes based on that. And because we're making changes based on the people we absolutely love, the people that we don't love 
generally there's a reason we don't love them. And part of it is because we don't have the same philosophies, mm-hmm. you know? And so if we keep pushing forward in the, in the direction of our philosophy, then those people we don't love will eventually fall off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, you, you said it's called the pumpkin plan? Yeah, it's called, it's by Mike McCallowitz. But okay, you're giving me all these. I won't bother all these books. No, you're giving me all these books to read. It's great. Uh, yeah, the pumpkin plan. It's great, and the the idea is is just, you know, he uses the metaphor of a pumpkin, like you know these world class pumpkins. If you want to grow a world class pumpkin, then you need to start with the right seeds, and then once you plant the seeds, you need to trim off all of the smaller pumpkins and just focus on the biggest pumpkins. Mm. And uh, and that's how you grow grow these you know Guinness World Record pumpkins, and he compared that to business and how you basically have to focus on your best clients and and cater to what they want. And your best clients are generally just mirrors of what you believe in. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, you know, I'm not like if my if my if my philosophy is you know getting you results teaching you something and then having a gym, you know, the community, I'm probably not going to work with people who don't care about results, don't care about learning and hate everybody around them. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like they're going to be like me, you know? So, yeah. so like that's the idea is, you know, you focus on those people, you keep delivering what those people want. And then, you know, it kind of goes on from there to say, like, if you want to attract more of those kind of people, you need to find out where those people hang out. And that's where you would sort of target your advertising or target your, you know, like maybe offer a free class to the people that, you know, they work with or whatever. And they, that's the idea is like you identify those people, you keep giving them what they want, and you kind of rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that, I guess, you know, that's something we didn't really talk about, but we ask our we ask our members for feedback a lot. And we don't always take all the feedback, but – we ask for it and we make changes. When we do make changes, it's based on what the members have asked for. Mm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. No, that was great. Thank you for, thank you for bringing that up. That was, that I think affiliates can really learn from that. So, wow. Cool. Um, well, great. Uh, Jason, is there anything else that you were thinking about or wanted to chat about? No, there's so many things. But, uh, <laughs> I know. I only have you know, so much room. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I only, you know, yeah, you only have so much room, but, um, you know, just, I mean, I think ultimately most, most of the people who start an affiliate, not all of them, most of them just love what they do. Mm. And, and I think that doesn't mean that they're necessarily, uh, they're necessarily qualified to run a business or anything like that. But I think if you focus on just really, why you got into the business and build your business around that, um, you'll figure out a way to make that business successful. And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard, or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, thanks for dropping in.